Hello! If you like cherry cola, weird stories about seaweed, if you like unicorns, rainbows, and you're a skeptic and can write a whole novel on why you hate rainbows, then welcome to Strange Shenanigans. I'm Ashley here with Stan, and today we're going to talk about some weird creatures of the wilderness. Just different types of wilderness. Yes. Really. So we're not here to talk about Bigfoot. If nope. you got your hopes up, no Bigfoot today. Nope. None it's of that coming. pedestrian crap here. It's coming, but <laughs> not today. I mean, we have to find a real story about Bigfoot to talk about. Otherwise, right. we're just talking about what we all know as Bigfoot, which, I mean, they've been searching for him on what? The History Channel or Discovery, Discovery Channel, or something yeah, for like yep. 20 years, and yep. they haven't really gotten any closer. So we're going to spend our time on something different. We've got lots of pictures of guys in gorilla outfits. Yeah, though, yeah. tons of those. Yeah. We're going to start with something different. I'm going to start today with the Maine Wild Man. Born and raised Mainer, of course I'm going to start with Maine. Have you heard of the Maine Wild Man? I have not, actually. He's, um, well, I'd say he's a badass, but really, you can search for him all you want. You've got two stories from the 1800s, and that's it. That's it, yeah. That's it. Those are some of the good ones, though. <laughs> the Maine Wild Man. It's 1886. You know, you were there, right? Yep. Yeah. You wake up, you put wood in the stove to warm up your home, and you make your coffee. You step outside and feed the chickens and rabbits. Stretch a little bit, pick up your morning paper on your way inside. The house is warm, the coffee is boiled and ready. You pour yourself a cup. And you go sit in your rocking chair with your morning paper and your basset hound. This is the life. You read the front page of the Waterville Centennial. Ten foot wild man caught by hunters. Ooh. What? October 4th, 1886. On the front page of the Waterville Centennial, three hunters were camping out by Moosehead Lake. One of the hunters was ambushed by a giant 10-foot wild man. This creature is described as having arms 7 feet long and having very long brown hair. He was considered a human giant, though at 10 feet, I'd consider that giant. The two remaining hunters went to town and formed a group to hunt down the wild man. The search party found the man in the woods above Moosehead Lake and all fired shots. It was reported it took numerous shots to take the wild man down. On October 6th, the Wilton Record of Maine picked up this story. On the 8th, the Industrial Journal, also of Maine, printed the story. The account of the wild man was finally told one last time on October 12th, printed in the Vermont paper, St. Albans Daily Messenger. Maine's first account of a Bigfoot or a giant. The death of the hunter or the wild man never seemed to be investigated. I uh, tried to search for like obituaries in October 1886, around this time geared towards hunters. None. None. Not one. Obituaries mm. against maybe a giant guy? None. 
police report about a posse murdering a wild guy? Nothing. What I love about this story, though, is so for the past couple hundred years, all across America, people have been trying to capture a picture of Bigfoot, right? But in Maine in 1886, which is still the same mentality now, they're like, yo, this giant guy just tried to kill me. They're like, okay, let me go get the guns. Yep. Let's go kill this. Hold my bitch. beer. We're yeah. on our way. Exactly. And it's hard to, it's hard to confirm if this is true or not. Because in the 1800s, if you look back in papers, like we're at the Our Heroes Military Museum studio, you can look back at older papers from the 1800s and even the early 1900s. Pictures and illustrations weren't really a common thing. Well, not only that, but also uh, when they're taking hard hits in, in their newspapers, n- most newspaper companies were not above going to some sensationalism to try and they pick up pick up some profit. But this is the weird thing about the article. What I confirmed these hunters going out friend gets killed by what they called a wild man. They didn't call him an ape, they didn't call him a bear. They said this is a ten foot wild angry wild guy from the woods and came yeah. after him. There's only one other story that relates to this. And it still says it's from the Waterville Centennial. So it's the same exact story from 1886. Yeah. But it's just told differently, which seems strange to me. So the second version of the story is everything exactly the same. The only thing is a group of three hunters go out to Moosehead Lake to go hunting. Two of the hunters go off. And it said they came back a week later to find their friend at camp dead. Yeah. But it doesn't say why the two went off. Yep. But then it's the same story after. Then it says they got a posse of guys. They all went in the woods, found this 10-foot wild man, and killed him. Yeah. So there's two possibilities to the story. The first one, which is obviously going to be my favorite because I love Bigfoot and wild people in the woods and hermits, is that there's this angry guy, you were on his turf, he went after you. Which is kind of a meaner thing to do sometimes anyway. But the other version is, it kind of sounds like there were to be some feud, right? Between the hunters, and they totally could have killed their friend, 1886. Gotten away with it in the woods of Moosehead. If you've been to Moosehead Lake, that's kind of in the woods-ish enough now. Well, In 1886? Yeah, Yeah, good friggin' luck, right? Yeah. So you just leave your friend there. You come out to the closest part of town, which is what? Going to be like three wooden buildings in the 1800s? Yeah. And be like, hey, my friend got mauled by a wild guy. Help, help. And then you just go find a giant guy in the woods to kill. Or you, or you just say you did. Right. You or know. you just get this posse be like, okay, guys, we killed John. He was an asshole anyway. He was the <laughs> town crazy guy. We all in on this? Okay. Yep. But... I'm more lenient to the first version just because of all the Native American stories you hear. There's a lot of Native American stories out there always talking about giants. Yeah. Well, it's not the only story about giants either. Like, uh, and it's it's a similar description too to the uh, the the two that I have heard of. There's the the early explorers uh, encountering giants in what they called Patagonia, which was South America, mm-hmm. and that uh. They had actually captured two of them, 
of of the younger ones to bring home with them Ooh. to prove to to their king that they had found them, and they died on the trip there, which you know great conditions. Also, yeah, they were probably also, treated wonderfully right, on top it's, of it's, that. It's also like yeah, that that's something you would also say if you know you went on an exploration and came up with nothing. We're like, well, we had these two giants, but they died, so we had to throw them over. Right. You know, but then there's also the recent story of uh, the Afghan giant. Okay. Which was uh, it? It's a uh, it's an urban legend at best, but uh, and there's no there's no real confirmation of the story because like m- so many other military stories, you know, it's been it was the people who are claimed to have been involved in it were told to rewrite reports and get rid of it. Which in our research we hear about. A lot. Everything, all yeah. the time. Yeah. Nope, that's not what you saw. This is what you saw. Move we'll, on now. We'll get into the Afghan giant later. I'm not giving <laughs> up that story yet. I love that story. So, yeah, the main wild man, I'm pretty I'm pretty partial to. But I do think it's weird that no matter what these two accounts of the story are, in 1886, I just I can't find anything related to these two dead people. Yeah. I think it's just, I think it's strange, which I don't. I don't know my 1880s papers very well. I'm sure obituaries weren't a thing. So if you weren't like a nice proper town guy, probably wasn't in the paper that you were dead. But with a story like this, why weren't they like, hey, George was killed by the wild man? I don't know. You got to take into account too, you know, the distance between where this story was published and where it happened at the time frame. 1886, you're talking Waterville to Moosehead Lake. That's... What, 150 miles? Probably a little less. A little maybe. less, maybe. 100, 120, 150, maybe. Closer it's not than close. Us. No, it's not. Don't think it is. We'll have to look that up. <laughs> but it, it's, not, it's not close. So, you know, getting this sensationalist story, you know, from the, the woods of Maine, essentially, you know, to what was at the time a pretty big town. Waterville's always been kind of... A hub. It's always you know. been, yeah, a hub. Even yeah. in the eighteen hundreds, it was still hubbish. Yeah. So, oh, you you would think, you know, oh, maybe there wouldn't have been an obituary because it's not even regionally specific in the first place. Right. So they wouldn't even include it. Yeah. In the um industrial paper, uh, was uh, a paper. The industrial journal was a paper in Bangor. So it wasn't the Wigan Courier that is now the Bangor Daily News that we yeah. all know. But they had industrial paper, which was geared towards industrial stuff and hunting and things like that yeah Yeah. at one point they even questioned if it was going to be a new type of game (laughs) really right which is kind of weird because it's like we the report says it's a wild man over and over again and leave it to the mainers and the industrial report well if it's not a guy can we hunt and eat it (laughs) is that an option (laughs) leave it to mainers yeah just I mean, in case. It, it, it's a it's a far fetched story, but and I don't personally, you know, believe any of it. I think <laughs> I think it's newspaper sensationalism to to you know help you know dwindling numbers. But in reality, you get to portions of Maine. There's definitely undiscovered stuff out there. The Allagash Waterway is just a vast wilderness. You know that's just dense there's like 
they believe that mountain lions are extinct in Maine. I have no doubt that there's at least one or two of them still out there in the Allegheny. Maybe, waterway. but the cool thing about this story is, um, it was it was in the Waterville Centennial, like kind of a big deal. But in the um, Industrial Journal, Wilton Record, and even the one in Vermont, the Daily Messenger, it was listed like in the middle of the paper under sections like points of interest that is in other news like tiny blurbs yeah so maybe waterville was trying to sell papers but even the industrial paper was like hey points of interest wild man might have killed hunter can we eat it (laughs) (laughs) vermont points of interest maine has wild man are they in vermont too and the mainers want to know if they can eat it right Imagine for a moment a young soldier or marine trying to quietly patrol through the dense Vietnamese jungle. The situational awareness and extreme observation they had honed to a fine point to survive there. Their enemy is known to strike from nowhere and disappear without a trace. But for some, they would encounter an ancient and primeval secondary foe, a massive muscular beast that traveled in troops stronger than any men and willing to go hand-to-hand against the most deadly and modern military of its time. I am talking about the rock apes of Vietnam. A rock ape? Yep, also called the Batutu by the Vietnamese. These, uh, these animals uh, were believed to only have been encountered because the... Uh, the war had pushed so far into uninhabited territory Mm -hmm. that they were coming across places that most human beings had never been before in in human history, or at least in modern human history. Uh, One particular hill in Vietnam was the site of so many rock ape sightings that it became known as Monkey Mountain. (laughs) While no corpse of these strange creatures were ever recovered or any clear pictures taken of them, the fact that sightings of them were so widespread and common throughout the war makes them worthy of at least looking into. Described as being up to six feet tall, strongly built, with long limbs, protruding stomachs, the rock apes, or batutus, were said to be witnesses to be covered in brown or reddish-brown hair. They were also thought to live in troops rather than living solitary existence, and their habitat was confined to remote areas of the jungle, far from human habitation. And these areas, you know, weren't ever touched by human beings until warfare was pushed back into them. Right. Uh, sightings of rock apes by Viet Cong and NVA troops were uh, also common, not just American soldiers. And an NVA general uh, organized an expedition in 1974 to try and capture or at least kill one of these legendary creatures, but uh, came up with nothing. Mm. Um, so uh, one account that I've got here uh, is uh, from a 
book published by uh, Craig P.J. Jorgensen. It is called Very Crazy G.I. Strange But True Stories of the Vietnam War. Oh, cool. One particular unit was taking a rest when the trees, about 15 yards uphill from them, suddenly began to shake violently. Naturally, given their environment, the soldiers assumed the shaking was caused by the enemy and that they needed to immediately prepare to be under attack. However, as the soldiers watched the trees, they saw that an, an oblong head with a face covered in reddish hair, possessing a huge mouth, dark, deep-set eyes, had emerged from the brush. According to Brent Swainzer in this article, The uh, Mysterious Rock Apes of Vietnam War. There's also uh, another story where they... Uh, most of the encounters were like this. They thought they were encountering enemy because they mm -hmm. heard movement in brush, and one of these giant apes would come out of nowhere. So, uh, what's what's weird is the way they're described is uh, very similar to another animal, an orangutan. Their okay. height varying from three point nine to six feet. The smaller being the Bornean orangutan, and the larger one being the endangered Samaritan orangutan. Do you know what used to exist in Vietnam uh, just a few thousand years ago? The orangutan. Ah, okay. Which is said to be uh, extinct. But, if you actually look at this, these are regions of Vietnam that people haven't been in. So your extinct animal could definitely be there if you haven't been there. <laughs> Like, like, go back to the description that the soldiers gave of it, you know? You know, that it had a huge mouth, deep-set eyes, like an orangutan, yep. and it had reddish hair. Which, it's orangutan right yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. And six feet tall is uh, actually the, uh, the general height of what was believed to be the Vietnamese orangutan, which would have existed along with uh, some of the early predators just post-Ice Age. Yeesh. Yeah, but uh, so these uh, these orangutans, there's uh, the Sumatran orangutan, which still exists to this day, which is almost a direct replica of what the Vietnamese one would, which grow to six foot plus. And almost identical in, you know, their description as to the rock apes. Okay. Uh, but these, uh, the rock apes aren't named rock apes because of Monkey Mountain, which you would think, you know, they right. move quickly up mountains and things like that. That's why they're called rock apes. The rock apes are called rock apes because most of the encounters, when a soldier saw this thing, he's like, what the fuck is that? And he'd pick up a rock throw it at it because he's not going <laughs> to shoot at it right why would you shoot when you don't know if there's enemies nearby right. and give away your position you don't want to be caught so what this giant rock ape or giant orangutan would do is pick up a much larger rock and hurl <laughs> it directly back at them <laughs> pissing off the monkeys to the point where there, there were actual platoons and units that ended up engaged in combat with these things because they were just hurling and lobbing boulders at them and stuff. Holy. Yeah. And you would think, oh, it's like it's like Bigfoot. It's like Sasquatch. It's like Yeti. It's just some 
random freak, you know, imagination of these guys. Right. These reports were in the hundreds in just the, the time period of the Vietnam War in this one area. So they're telling us to get out of their jungle. See, that's the thing, though. <laughs> Every time they encountered it, until they made some sort of move or tried to scare it away or something, right. they didn't care that humans were there because they hadn't seen humans before. Oh, so we are just like fellow other apes. They don't, well, no, they, they saw them basically as like a gibbet. Like another Just animal. zero threat. They're like, yeah. look at this hairless, puny piece of shit over here. I'm not scared of him because they don't understand what the, the giant big ass stick in his hand right. is name 16, you know? So comparably, we're just another yeah. animal in its jungle. One of the craziest stories I read about this was a uh, uh, unit of Marines were setting up a perimeter and then they noticed that just inside the tree line, a whole bunch of motion and commotion going mm-hmm. on. And so... Oh, they, they like call back to their officers and are saying, "Hey, there's something out here," and they're getting ready to attack the Viet Cong, who they think are about to come through. And then instead, a bunch of these giant ape creatures come out of the woods. Oh! And so they're like, "What the shit?" So they call back their their the officers and they're like, "Hey, it's not the Viet Cong. There's like twenty gigantic monkeys." twice the size of all of us out here because you don't have enough to worry about right exactly (laughs) and so the officer's like like okay well you got to scare it off but you can't don't give away your position because they're in the (laughs) middle of the jungle so what do they do they pick up rocks and start throwing it at the apes (laughs) well the apes more of them come out of the woods numbering in the hundreds and start throwing large stones and boulders at them to the point where People are getting injured and getting legs broken and arms and their Jeez. faces stoved in. So they call back to the officers. They're like, they're fighting back. What do we do? And they're like, fix bayonets and go stab those things to death. So these Marines Jeez. go into hand-to-hand combat against these giant orangutan-like oh. things. They claim that they managed to kill a bunch of them and that they they didn't suffer any deaths amongst the marines but multiple broken right. bones and injuries from fighting these Bad. giant things but uh all the stories are from the marines who are there and there's no documentation by no the military of it going up. and they're like well they never produced a body it's like well what is the military really going to admit that in the middle of a, uh, this ground war that they're in a battle with prehistoric orangutans well, not only that, I mean, if, if you're in a battle with hundreds of these orangutans and people are getting injured, rocks are flying, when they finally stop and go away, are you really going to go, you know, five of you go pick up this giant orangutan and drag and, it back and yeah. drag it back instead of helping your fellow Marines? Oh, who not, 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 legs a, not only injured? that, are, are you going to, are you going to go? Oh, mess with its dead body after you offended it by throwing a pebble at it. Right. You also, yeah, you clearly yeah. don't know what else they're capable of. Yeah. So let's go pick up some dead orangutans. And I think in real, just, people, people say, oh, that it must have been confused for these other types of monkeys that are native to Vietnam, which are all under four feet. Like, they, none of them got bigger than so three So they're not going to pick up boulders yeah. and attack. And, and they're like, oh, well, it's just this this shared hallucination it's like no it it's not possible but and they're like well then why didn't they do why didn't they take pictures why didn't they do this why didn't they take pictures they're in the middle of the vietnam (laughs) war with an enemy that literally appears and disappears out of nowhere because it's their home turf 
Why would you waste a moment messing with giant monkeys if you have to worry about the Viet Cong finding you right. like every second you You can't day? really bring out your iPhone and take a picture. Yeah, exactly. You're right? a little busy. Yeah. It's like, I'm sorry I wasn't snapping pictures of the giant ape that was trying to beat you. You weren't taking with selfies boulder. with it? You were yeah. like, wait, before you hit me, yeah. stay still, cheese. But I do like that. that it's not hundreds of you know reports to a website. It's not right. hundreds of reports to coast to coast. It's hundreds uh-huh. of reports up a military chain of encountering and having some sort of conflict with these giant apes, which I think is just crazy. That's a lot of pressure. Right. I don't I don't know how I would react. You already got this enemy to worry about. Now you're getting attacked by apes. Yep. That's I guess if there was a worse nightmare, that would be it right there. The the one thing people cling to too to say that it's not some variation of the Sumatran orangutan is that they prefer to live alone. It's like, okay, so they prefer to live alone. But these are not Sumatran orangutans if they live in Vietnam. They might be similar, but also if they've been pushed so far back into their habitat, why wouldn't over these thousands of years they have been able to develop some sort of system of working together orangutans are already known to be extremely intelligent animals yeah they are you know so i i don't if they're allowed to just exist and thrive on their own in the secrecy of the vietnamese jungle for thousands of years you would have to imagine there's some sort of development there too yeah there has to be some sort of community for survival Mm -hmm. i mean you don't just survive in the vietnam jungle willy-nilly yeah especially since uh the predators of the Vietnamese jungle are bigger and more dangerous than where these apes exist. You know, the orangutans exist otherwise. So you would, ha- they would have to work together to defend themselves just against their natural predators, right? which are much bigger than, you know, what being contended with, you know, for the Sumatrans, which is literally on an island. There you go. Yeah. Jeez. I'm more apt to believe in those apes, those orangutans, I guess, than anything else. See, that that's my thing, too, is that, they're, that I think there's a, there's an explanation for it. And I think they do exist and that they are, you know, a distant relative of the Sumatran right. orangutan. Because they're the same size, they're the same description, and, you know, the only differ, differentiating characteristic is that Sumatrans prefer to graze and forage alone. It doesn't even the article doesn't say they they prefer to live alone. It just says they prefer to eat alone. Right. You know. So it's definitely logical over all these years they have come together to survive, especially getting pushed back into mountain territory. Yep. More plausible than all our Bigfoot stories we hear about. Right. I think so. <laughs> okay, everybody. I think that's enough monkeying around for one night. Ah! <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at The Strange Show. If you're listening, leave us a comment. Let us know your favorite segment or what you'd like to hear in the future. Find us on Patreon and give us some support. We would love it if you just sent $5 so we could buy some coffee. Because I make the worst coffee, so send us to Dunkin's. Okay, everybody have a good night and keep it strange. Keep it strange, everyone.